understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. What's up, guys? Welcome back to part two of a two-part series episode with Shalia Daly, narcissist abuse expert and really like healer and all-around person that just understands us at our core on why we make the decisions that we make and how they affect us personally, professionally, and throughout our lifetime as far as the partnerships, situationships, relationships, and friendships that we end up in. This episode kind of took me back. It was like a true healing and therapy session for me. And some of the things Shalia has taught me outside of this, as far as like applicable exercises to really reframe, reprogram, and recreate what I want moving forward so that I don't keep encountering the same situations have been game changers in my life. So if you've listened to the first part, you're in for a true treat for the second part. Get your notepad, get your notepad on your phone. Make sure you tag this girl on Instagram at Shalia Daily because you do not want to miss this. And if you're listening to this, this two-part series has been this week. It's Thursday. Hopefully you're listening to it on the day it comes out. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret because this information is actually coming out Friday. Shalia is one of the many speakers at Innovative Income Summit. So if you have not bought your ticket yet to Innovative Income Summit in Tampa, Florida, July 31st and August 1st, where you get to spend a weekend with us, as well as many incredible healers and business owners, entrepreneurs, influencers, and speakers, you are literally missing a huge, huge opportunity for you, the resources you need to be surrounded by, and the opportunity for sisterhood, and just really being around a supportive ass group of women and in a room where you can really decide and and take charge of your worth going into the rest of 2020 and beyond. So Shalia is one of our speakers, so you're getting a taste of her now, and you're going to get even more of her at Innovative Income Summit. So without further ado, part two of our two-part series this week with Shalia Daly. That is what meditation did for me, is being present, mm-hmm. being present. And like, it's so funny because I remember a girlfriend who's like, she's way ahead of me in all of this. Um, she was like, something happened at the beginning of all this. And she was like, I really feel like this is trying to teach you presence. And I remember like, oh, like more time with my son. Like, what do you like? I like just kind of glazed over it. Like, okay. And now I'm like, oh, oh, this oh. makes so much sense because I can, if I can train myself in those moments, in those emotions, in those feelings to just be immaculately present. Mm-hmm. Not only do I experience a same, insane, insane amount of gratitude, but now I'm training myself to like constantly live in the moment. And like, you're not, there's no anxiety. You're not looking at the past. There's no, um, there, or there's no anxiety for looking in the future. There's no depression for looking in the, in the past. There's no, nothing is happening to you right now. And actually you can really look around and appreciate everything that's happening to you right now, which will remove all of these feelings. And so you have the ability to protect yourself and live there. Why would you not? Right. Oh my and God. Just go back to it over and over and recognize I, it doesn't exist in my bubble in my present moment. I'm bringing it in. Do I want to bring that in? 
you know, and when I'm sitting there and when I'm having that meditation, oftentimes, you know, that release where we're crying in the beginning, it's like, it's the first time you got freaking still because we run around trauma response, it being a trauma response to be so busy. We run around, we do all these things and we just don't stop because it's painful to stop. But then I don't process it. And now I'm like getting it out in other ways. I'm yelling at my friend, I'm yelling at my kid. I'm, I'm frustrated. Well, your body just really wanted you to sit there. And I say like that whole sit in it, sit in the feeling and let it bleed. You got to let it bleed. Just let it bleed. Let it hang out like ugly cry. Let this not cry. say it's not fair. If that's how you feel, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not what I planned. It's not what I wanted. It feels unfair. It feels like I'm being cheated. Like, what does it feel like? And then go back to like, my feelings aren't facts. I might feel like it's not fair but life has actually handed me so many good things. It's going to be fair. I not feel like it right now. To be fair, my feelings are not fact. It might not feel like I'm winning, but I'm winning. I'm shedding so much toxicity off of myself and from other people. Like, wow, like it's going to be so good. It, it might feel like people are leaving me. That's not a fact either. What's actually the fact is, is that the people are not for me. God is removing so we can bring the right people in. That's what's happening. It is a, yeah, it feels like everything is crumbling down because it's like, instead of like a house being torn down, it's like your city's being torn down. It's like car, business, friends, family. It's all being torn down. But it has Everything to be. you know to be forever. Your thought was forever. You're being stripped of it. Everything. But what good does it do me? We've seen this half a million times. We've all seen like a really bad neighborhood and they take one house down and they build one house up. Now I've got a really nice house with minimal value surrounded in a crappy neighborhood. And all of a sudden, what? I think that like people, not like these people are going to like move in and take care of this house. Like, no, then that house starts to look like the other houses. Because mm-hmm. if I don't take down the whole neighborhood and rise up something new, put a new everything, then ultimately I just, this one new thing just returns to what it was. So you have to see like your renewal. Your, it can't just be you stripped down. It has to be all the things. It has to be the freaking neighborhood. It has to be the friends that must go, must go. The, the change of house. Thank you, Jesus. Get me out of these four walls where all this trauma was, right? Yeah, I'm gonna be grateful that I'm gonna move into something smaller because I can always buy something bigger later. But right now, thank you. Get me out of these four walls. I wanna be in that car where you were in there and I can so easily check back into like when you were screaming at me on my birthday in the front seat of this car, freaking give me a lesser car. Give me like a little like Honda Civic stick shift. I don't care. I can buy a new car, right? Strip me down and let me build it up on my terms. Let me build a new city. I don't want your stuff. I don't want this memory. You know, I don't want to paint over a pink wall. I want to, I want to take down the sheetrock. I want it gone. I don't want those layers. It is a rebuilding. It's not a layering. And what we do and what you'll see is that everything in the past, if you really look at it, it's been layers, just layering. It's just new paint. It's like, let's throw, you know, shiplap over the brick. Brick's still there. You just shiplapped it. No change there. So let me just take that down. Let me just take that down. Let me just rebuild. Really different than layering. Hmm. Hmm. The rebuilding the sweet so spot, the opportunity, which is so hard to see. And I've been talking about this because I 
I've just, I read a book um, called how to, I think it's how to, how to, how do we begin to heal or how do we do the work to heal or something? And they have mm-hmm. a whole intro about the dark night of the soul. And so mm-hmm. I did that on my podcast and it's mm-hmm. like, how do you find this space to understand that this is actually for your enlightenment? Like how, how God, like the moments that literally have you like, why God, why me? How, how, you know, and understanding that this is actually for your enlightenment. And then how do you move in a way that you invite that in amidst your pain, which has been mind blowing for me, that information and understanding the benefits and welcoming them. But I want to talk, I want to end this interview talking about, um, can I answer that real quick though? Can I speak to that point? Yeah. When you ask how, how do I see it? Here's what we do. We want the pain to go away. And we think the answer is if I can just see it as opportunity, that's the answer. Well, that's not the answer. That's the goal. The answer Mm. is different. The answer to get to seeing it as an opportunity is to feel exactly what I feel right now. I don't think this is an opportunity right now. I think it sucks. God, I'm mad at you. What are you doing in my life? I don't get it. Like, how can I be, how can I be your child? And how can you love me and let this happen? It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't feel like an opportunity. It feels like shit. That's what it feels like. God, I want to be grateful. I want to see it that way, but I don't see it like that right now. Right now, it feels like everything's being taken. It feels, it feels, it feels. If we try to jump ahead to like, let me pretend like I'm grateful. Let me pretend like it's an opportunity because I want it to be. I want to feel that way. I want to feel like it's an opportunity. But if I jump in that step and say like, let me go ahead and have this perspective before I sit in how it really feels. I'm never going to truly see it as an opportunity. I'm forcing that step before it, it's, it's ready. Is it an opportunity to rebuild? hundred thousand percent. So my brain knows that's an opportunity. My heart feels like shit. And the answer to make those two connect, right? Is that I can know it's an opportunity. My head can know that, but my heart has to let it feel. And I get to ask those questions to God, because just like when your child comes to you, and I'm like, why, why can't I have a rice crispy treat before dinner? Why, why? And you're like, because I know I'm preparing a really good meal for you. And I know that this is best for you. That four-year-old doesn't give a crap about that meal. That four-year-old can only see the rice crispy treat and cannot fathom why on God's earth would you, a loving mother, why would you not give the rice crispy treat? Not give a rice, like, why would you not give me the rice crispy treat? I want it. It's sweet. It's in front of me. I have it here. It's all child four-year-old perspective. You, if you can imagine you being the God of the situation and the child being you, you're saying, because I made you broccoli, because I made you fish, because I want a healthy meal for you. And I know if I give you this thing before you're ready, give you the rice crispy treat first, you won't get to digest and have all the good I have for you. And you got to trust the thing I have for you is so much better. It's, this meal is so much better. It's going to give you so much more. I know you really want the rice crispy treat. And I see your pain and, and I, I want to fix it, but you're going to get the rice crispy treat after I give you the thing that's really meant for you. But in this moment, I'm not mad at my child for being like, why I'm annoyed by it, but I'm not like, you know, God, this freaking kid. I'm like, I get it. I want a rice crispy treat facts. I want a rice crispy treat before dinner too. Right. True story. Like I see you, I hear you, I get you. I see your tears. I care about your tears. You're still not getting the rice crispy treat, right? That is how God looks at us. So when we're like, 
you know, why are you letting this happening? And it feels so crappy. He's like, I know, I know, I know you can't see it right now. I know you can't see it as opportunity right now. I know you'll see it one day. Like, this is so important because yeah. I can't tell you how many times my friends have given me that speech, right? This is, yeah. you're going to be blah, 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 blah. And I always find it a point to tell them not that this is important, but I find it a point and it, th- these words always come out of my mouth. I go, listen, I know, I know logically yeah. it makes perfect sense. And then I say, but, and then I try to explain how it feels because my mind and heart, it's not, we're not connecting yet. It's like my, my mind knows better, but I don't feel better. I don't feel like just because I understand that, that my heart's like, oh, well, I want to welcome it with open arms and this pain should just go away. That's like, not real. I gotta yeah. feel it. The only thing that ever connects these two things is a feeling you're feeling all the way through at, in its purest, most painful form. Cause that's how it dissipates, how we process it. If I try to push fear down. Guess what? Tomorrow's still fearful. I sit in fear today and I process fear today. It's really not that scary tomorrow. Got it. Like, let it be. I can't push it down. And the other way that we connect is like what we know here and what we feel here, what we feel here, a core belief is based in an experience. So when you've had an experience that it's not better, when you've had an experience that you can't have more, whether that was from childhood or, you know, you're pregnant early and you were in government housing or whatever, when your experiences have been that I can't have more, that I'm not enough, that I don't feel good, that's a core belief. Now you in your head might look around and see all these stories where all these people made it and know it can happen, but you don't feel like it will. Mm-mm. So when I create experiences for myself, that's the meditation that we talked about. My head, her head was saying, you don't like, you know, rationally, she could be like, obviously I could sit there for 10 minutes. Okay. All these people are doing meditation. So obviously it's a thing I could do. That's a cognitive way to think. Her core belief was I can't do it. I don't like, I can't do the meditation. So what did we have to do? We had to give her an experience around meditation that would change her belief around it. Now her heart and brain are, her heart and head are connected. So when she sat in the bathroom for one minute, it taught her, it gave her an experience that meditation actually was different than what she had cognitively perceived it to be. Now they're connected. Now heart and brain are both like, oh, we, we like meditation. Meditation is good. So when you have that disconnect, like with your, what you know to be true about what's going to happen in the future and what you feel about it. Like right now it hurts and it feels bad. It has to be processed. It has to feel like exactly what it is right now. And then you will create little experiences. Those experiences for you might be, you know, moving into the home that you really like, or when you buy another car and it's not the car you want, but then the next time you're like, but I did it, but I did it on my own. And then you're like, Oh, okay. So now I'm starting to connect with like, this isn't as bad as I thought I can do this. And then you level up and you buy the next car you want now heart and brain are connected. So I have to give myself little wins, little experiences to start changing my core belief about who I am, what I'm capable of about this pain. Every time you get windows without that pain, every time you get pockets of happiness, you're teaching yourself like, okay, we can go back to that, right? You're learning like this gap can be longer and longer and longer. I used to cry four times a day. Now I'm crying once a day. Now I'm crying every two days. Mm -hmm. You are training your heart and head to connect, but it's a process. And it only changes a belief 
when I give it an experience to latch onto. That's what connects the two. That is literally the way the two are connected. Wow. Does that make sense? No, it makes a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense. I'm not going to get into detail, but I had an experience recently. Actually, I feel like I actually personally feel like God's gifting me experiences to hear the other side of what, because my brain, so I'm so traumatized. My brain wants to believe this certain belief and I'm getting naturally like experiences are falling in my lap where I'm having an opportunity to see and hear that. No, that's Mm -hmm. not true. You're not supposed to believe that. That's not what it really is. And I feel like it's God's little nudges on the shoulder, like live where, like, I know you understand, but I want you to stay and live where your heart is. Don't, don't create a new version of yourself. Don't alter. Don't mm-hmm. believe what anyone else says, like stay where you are mentally and not sad, but like keep your beliefs. You're allowed to have sure. those beliefs. Yeah. And, um, it's been beautiful. And it's like, I, every time it happens, I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. God. Thanks. Um, experience that creates a new belief mm-hmm. and it's little things, it's not the little. Big thing. So I have a 1% um, methodology and 1% theory that I teach. And it looks like this. If you look at that little exercise, meditation for a minute in the bathroom, that was the 1% thing. That Mm -hmm. 1% thing leads up to a 30 minute meditation. That 30 minute meditation leads up to how much clarity in a year. It's the Mm -hmm. 1%. What is the 1% thing you can do? You don't have time to go to a gym. Listen, do you not walk on the floor every damn day? And you know what a floor is? A place to do a push up and a sit up and a squat. Bam. So when you like change your perspective, your idea around like, I need to go to the gym, get on my little little pants, I need to clock in, I need to warm up, I need to lift, I need to talk to everybody, I need to lift. Three hour ordeal. I'm like, mind blown. Here's the thing when you do the 1% thing, it's a fact that if you did squats for three minutes a day, you would have change. It's not about doing squats for nine hours in a gym. When you make the 1% decisions, when you read the one chapter a night, one chapter a week, when you do the set of squats a day with no weights in your floor, when you walk down the road with your kids, because you can't be at home with a narcissist, so we need to get the kids out of the house. You know, they said you can't go to the gym because you can't leave them with the kids because God knows it's selfish. Lunge down the road, take your kids to the park, run laps around the park where they're on the swings. Go, hey, baby, shove them, run, shove, shove and squat, shove and squat. You can do it. You can create it. It's not this big thing we want. It's the 1%, 1%. I'll do 1% for 100 days. I'm 100%. I'll do 1% for a year, right? Mm-hmm. It's the 1% things. It's that 1% shift, that 1% perspective. On this podcast, there's been 1% perspective shifts. If somebody latches on to one thing I've said, one thing that you've said, they can have massive impact. Massive. One thing. And it's 1%. We don't do all the things at once. We're not wired that way. We can't do it if we tried. Multitasking is not a real thing. Multitasking is doing a bunch of things bad. Focus is doing one thing at a time good and allowing other things to not be a priority, right? It's doing the one thing really damn well. So being present is like that. Be present really well. Do it really damn well, right? That's the power. That is the power. power. I'm not kidding. That's the power. That is the power. Do it really, really damn well. But it's these 1% shit that change everything. So adding that to this, adding that to this loaded question, and then we'll end with this. 
Okay. Because somebody's listening to this and either going, okay, this is the relationship I'm in, or someone's listening to this and saying, okay, I got out of that, but I'm constantly questioning myself because I can't find someone else. Or I feel like every man I go on a date with has these tendencies, you know, for someone listening to this and acknowledging that right now, outside of this, these 1% healing methods, Mm -hmm. what would your advice be as far as radical responsibility to begin acknowledging and making sure you don't meet these same traumas in other bodies? Because that is like one of my biggest things is I'm like, how do I, this does not mean that like, again, go back to radical responsibility. How do I change to ensure that I don't meet more of this? And I'm 32. I'm like, okay, enough. Like, what do you need to change about yourself that you are not going to keep attracting and falling in love with and um, spending new seasons of your life with people that are toxic, not, that are what? Toxic. <laughs> I wouldn't say that's my personal situation, but there are things about taking radical responsibility that I'm like, okay, how do I not meet more of this in my life? And I know somebody wants to know that. I love this question so much. So you're talking about breaking relational patterns. Yep. Like I can look back and see, I keep on repeating this. I am attracting it. I'm repeating it. Am I attracting it or I'm accepting it? Right. I mean, let's just start there. Mm. I'm accepting it's what I'm really doing. Mm. Stop marrying your father. Start there. (laughs) Right. Stop marrying your abusive father. Um, Because back to like we talked about earlier, like that whole way that our brain interprets like consistency and familiarity, like, oh, I'm familiar with that. Like I knew when my father would do this, this, and that. And I was this performance-based love. You know, when you act like this, I give you attention. When you don't, and I don't give you attention. And that's because they're used to proving their worthiness, not just accepting it. Right. They expect their daughters to do that. Right. Now, what do I do? I go into a relationship that looks just like that, an intimate partner, because that's what I know. I'm going back to that thing where my brain thinks it's familiar. If somebody would have showed up in your life anyway and been super nice to you, you wouldn't know what the hell to do with it, right? If it was actually healthy. (laughs) I mean, right? Like even right now, people are so traumatized. They're just like, I wouldn't know if it hit me in the face. I'd be like, are they loving me? Are they love bombing me? Like, is this safe? Like, so here's the thing. If you really, really think about it, all of that is based on your value. You would have never taken, taken that you would have never taken the first bad word. You would have never that first time that they were like, you know, I had a, a, a client the other day. Um, actually, I had a client and a person talk to me, just message me on um, Facebook. That's not a client talking about like the first time their boyfriend, then husband got super mad at them. And it was like um, an event had happened and then they started drinking and one like, drug her out of the bed by her hair into the kitchen, accusing her and had never acted like that before. Right. Got drunk, thought she was, you know, she looking at the phone, drags her by her hair. Why did I accept that? Okay. And here's the thing. You're going to keep on accepting shit. When you think you're shit, you're going to keep on accepting people that treat you badly. When you think that's what you're worth, that is a value system. Cause here's the thing. If you really thought, if I asked you to write down who is the man I really want every detail, like 
you know, funny, kind, six, three, tattoo, white shirt, backwards hat, jeans. Help me, Jesus. I'm just throwing my man out there. I've know, heard this out of your mouth a couple of times. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, I know what I'm looking for, you know, but you know, all these things, if I really wrote that down and all these character traits I want in a good man, you know, really good character trait, I would have never chosen this person. What we, which that means is based on my value and on fear, fear that I'll be alone, fear I'll never get the thing I really want, fear that I'm not worthy of what I want. These are fear choices and value choices. And you will continue less than you attracting them. You will continue to keep on entering into those relationships while you don't know who you are and what you are worthy of. And when someone, when you keep on even going on the first date or the second date with someone that's 3% of the thing you really want, because let's be real, nobody got into these relationships and was like, you know what? I mean, like, I love it. Like, I love that he doesn't shower every night. Um, that hair, love. Um, and that natural scent without the clone, amazing. Um, I also love that he doesn't get along with my family. Um, no, like we didn't say that. We said, I will accept all of this because I need someone so desperately to love me and feel me. And it looks like sometimes you're doing that. So I'll take it. We didn't really choose the whole thing we wanted because if we'd have waited for the whole thing we wanted and thought we were worthy of the whole thing we wanted, we would have never got in the situation to start with. So it is a value-based thing on your end. A thousand narcissists a day could knock on my door and I wouldn't let the single one in. But that's because I am so clear on who I am and what I actually want in a person. And I'm solid in my belief around who I am compatible with. Another piece of that that people don't go into, and I have a, in my course, in both of the courses, there's an entire module on this um, piece of it. But who are you compatible with? Stop just letting everyone in your life that's nice to you. Because here's what happens when you've gone through an abusive relationship. The very first person, it's like, you're pretty. You're like, I love you. I want to get married. And they're like, um, you know, someone like touches your hair and you're like, like, give me that skin skin. They're just like, I was just getting the lime out of your hair after that tequila shot. And you're like, oh, okay, sorry. I thought we were, I thought you were, I thought you were stroking my hair. Uh, got a Got a little bit in there. I haven't touched this in a while. This is so funny because I was just telling my girlfriends about a date I went on and how good it was. And then when I got done, they were both like, so, so what's next? Like, what, so what's the situation? And I'm like, guys, I, calm down. Like, I'm not, I'm not about to jump from one relationship to the other. Like, it was just a gift. It was a gift of like being around right. someone that was nice and not like my former relationships. Like, cause, because this person was nice and not the things that I had dealt with, my friends were like, okay, so what's next? And I'm like, I'm you're not, like, nothing. You're like nothing. Because if you, if you could look at that person and say that date was nice, this person would adore me and treat me nice. Got it. But I'm not attracted and I don't have chemistry and we're not aligned. You know, you live in Africa. I live in the United States, obviously a barrier, uh, like whatever. Like there's all these things, like the very first time someone's nice to you, you jump on board again. So when you're asking the questions, how do I keep getting in these relationships? Stop freaking jumping in on board with the first person that's nice to you. Stand back a little bit and be like, what do I want? And what do I really like about them? It can't just be that they would like run you a bath and bring you chocolate and all that. You want more. Say you want more. Own you want more. Wait for more. Every time you don't, you get less. You can't be pissed that you keep getting less when you keep on accepting less. Stop accepting less. Wait for more. Pull yourself together. 
know what you want. Stand back and say, you know what? It's date four. I really like this guy. Um, he's really, really great. He meets all this criteria, but you know what? Something's not clicking for me. Be an adult instead of saying, you know what though? You know what? I'm going to go ahead and make it work because pickings are slim. I'm in a small town. We all been on Bumble. <laughs> no go. So let's go ahead and like try to fix this guy and make him be the thing I want. Oh, because we're fixers. Because we're fixers. We want to fix you. <laughs> right. And, and this guy, you know, poor innocent soul over here who really does want to run your bathwater and like eat pizza <laughs> with you. It's just like the innocent bystander of your trauma. We're like, you're not, you're not going to love them and give them what they need. You're just saying like, I am so empty and I need you to feel me. And I'm putting all of this responsibility on another person to fill me. So here's what that means. If you can give me my value, you can take it away. Think about that. You can give me my value. You can take it away. That means if you tell me I'm pretty and I feel pretty, and then you tell me I'm ugly and I'm ugly. And I don't feel that if you, if I, if I'm not giving me that, and I don't know who the hell I am. If I need everyone else to give me my value, you're smart. You're pretty. You're enough. You're a good mom. And I don't know that they can give it. They can take it away. So here's what I really need. I need to walk in the damn room the same way I walk out. It means if I walk in that room, shoulders back, head up, and you like my dress and you think I'm pretty cherry on top. Thank you. I appreciate that compliment. I walk in that room. And you don't think I'm pretty and you hate my dress, I can promise you I'm gonna walk out the same damn way I walked in. Doesn't mean things don't hurt your feelings. Doesn't change my value though. Things can hurt my feelings, you're not changing my value. You're not changing my walk. You're not changing my belief in myself because my value is not from other people. So these are like, those are probably the top five things I see in terms of those relationship patterns. Jumping in too quickly just because someone's nice, thinking like, oh my God, let me go ahead and do that you know, which with a narcissist, they're going to love bomb you in the beginning. So you can see how that would easily happen. You just grab in two weeks in, you're like, we're going to Mexico. Week three mask falls off. You're like, what the actual fuck? And then you're like, oh, wait, I did that. I did that. I jumped in. I don't, I don't like how, I don't like his shirt. I don't like what he drives. I don't like his job. He was just nice to me. So I was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll marry you. Yeah. And then you're wondering why it fell apart. Okay. So time out. So this is great, but somebody's listening to this because I've had so many other conversations, especially with married people. It'd be the married people that they'll literally say <laughs> the married people will be like, you know, you just compromise or you, you learn to can, you know, you learn to, you learn that when you choose someone, you, no matter what, you're going to get some things you don't like. So what is the difference between what you're saying like, cause basically to me, this sounds like women raise your standards. You know what you really want. You just don't stand for them basically. Or you settle when someone's nice to you because you're so eager to fill a cup. But then when we talk to successful married people, they're like, oh, you're going to get somebody with something. Like there's nothing you can do. You just got to figure out what you were willing to accept. Yeah. I want to accept like nose hair. Cause I can trim it. I want to accept <laughs> like you tanned too much in your younger years and there's wrinkles in weird places. I want to accept like, um, I like tropical and you like snow. I want to accept that like you eat and like make that noise with your cereal. I, I'm not accepting that I'm faith-based and you're not. I'm not accepting that I'm physical touch and you are gifts because that makes us not compatible. The happy people and happy marriages 
that give take. Yeah. One said like, Hey, I want to like sell our house and go to a five bedroom. And the other one said like, babe, I think we're good in like a three bedroom. And it was like biggest fight ever. He wanted three. I wanted five. Oh my God. They are not like tearing you down. Like you're a piece of crap. You're a bad person. Like you need to, you know, gain five pounds or lose five pounds or like, you know, you're not smart or like, you know, why do you even do that? Or you talk too much. That's not what they're compromising on. They're compromising on things like, you know what? I really don't want to like, you know, I'm dating someone, you know, and I'm, I'm not dating someone, but if this happened when I was trying to date someone, um, you know, like we were an hour apart and it's like that constant compromise was like, okay, you're coming my way or I'm coming your way. And that's what two people do when they like each other. And that ultimately was not going to be sustainable. Right. And so we made that adult decision to not go forward. Completely normal thing. Those are the gives and and takes, you know, Um, I really don't want to get up at six and we have one car. So let's do that anyway. And I'll take you and take the kid. It's, it's not the compromises on how you freaking love me. It's not the compromises on what I want in your character. It's not mm. the compromises on how you show up in your own life and how you will show up for me and my children. I'm mm. not compromising. You don't like kids and I got kids. So like, you know, let's just have the kids be like quiet and in the corner when you're, no, no. If I want you to be like begging to like coach my son's baseball team, then that's what I freaking want. Okay. Which means I have to adjust and probably date someone who is either never had children, always wanted them and can't, or date someone who's already coaching the little league team and be like, Hey, throw my kid in there. You're a great dad. Would you like one more? Which (laughs) seems more possible to me. That seems more plausible at this point, but at no point do I get to pick someone who this happens a lot you know, younger men will approach me and, you know, they've already clearly, you know, I kind of, at this age, I'm 40. So at this age, I'm not really wasting a lot of the small words, you know, it's kind of like, you know, do you love Jesus and cuss a little? Great. Um, Like, are you a parent? Great. And what I learned early on is that, you know, someone in their thirties who's approaching me, who has like great energy and they're full of life and they're entrepreneurial and they're all these things that I like and they're fit and we can like work out together and like all these fun things. I'm like, yeah. When they're like, but I, I want kids of my own. And I'm like, no, because I already have three and I'm not having any more. So for me to like go on relationships, like maybe he'll change his, this is what people do. Maybe he'll change his mind. And then you, you start dating them and now you're six months in, now there's love involved. And now one person's trying to compromise for the other person that builds resentment. Well, now I'm going to be on a therapy couch being like, he doesn't meet my needs. And then he's good. He never met your needs. So just to be clear, you're pissed that you went into a relationship that you had no business in because he already wasn't what you wanted. And then when that person didn't become what you wanted, now we're going to spend 20 grand on therapy, him trying to like walk on the beach with you and you trying to watch reruns of Shark Tank with him and no one's happy. Like just to be clear, but like he never walked on the beach with you and you never liked Shark Tank. So why did you accept that if that wasn't your your level of compromise. If you could compromise there, go ahead. Cause walking on the beach is innocent and shark taking is innocent, but don't try to do that. So don't keep, don't accept a 3% version of what you wanted because you think you can't have the hundred percent version and then be mad that you're attracting it. You're not attracting it. You're accepting it. Like if you start looking outside 
of what you have accepted. And we do it with friendships too. As long as you accept the friend that's going to like tear you down and like tell you that you look great in that dress when you look terrible in that dress and like the friend that wants you to be sad because then you need them when you're sad. As long as you hang around that, that's what you're going to attract. But then when you level up and you're like, I want powerful women that speak in my life. And then you act like a powerful woman and you speak into people's lives. That's what happens. I start, that's what I start attracting, but it's also what I start accepting. I start accepting those friend requests. I start accepting those invitations. I don't hang out with people that are not like me anymore. And I'm not changing anything about myself. I'm just recognizing alignment with all of my tribe, my girlfriends, other moms, like, you know, I, yes. I, I think I told you this. Um, I mean, maybe I didn't, but like, you know, core beliefs, speaking of those core beliefs. And then, and then we got to end it. Um, but, you know, core beliefs are really, really powerful. What we've been taught. So like I was taught growing up, everything that I know to be true about myself right now and love about me, I was taught was bad. So like my opinions were always different. I always was like, no, I, I zig when you zag, right? And you talk too much. You're a lot. I was told I was a lot, right? Here's what happens now. You know who is a lot? Leaders, innovators. You know who talks too much? Teachers, speakers. You know who is a lot and shows up? People who advocate for others. That's who does it. People that that make a whole coaching business knowing the backlash they're going to have from their ex. That's who shows up. So here's my answer to that. If I'm a lot, go find less. Find a lesser mentor. Find a lesser coach, find a lesser friend, but and lesser, not even meaning in the traditional way that it's bad. I just mean like if you need smaller, dimmer, lighter, softer, less touch, let go find less. Because I am gonna be a lot. So if you want to be around me, I'll bring you with me. My lotness, I will illuminate you. I want my allotness to illuminate you. If my allotness makes you feel dim or is too much, you need to go find less. So the core belief that was driving me to make poor decisions in my life, play small, be small, don't be yourself, that was cultivating self-hate, mind you, not self-love, turned out to be that when I showed up as my authentic self, which is this, and did all the things I was wanted to do anyway, that's self-love. When I started having self-love and choosing myself and knowing that my allotness was exactly meant for the people it was meant for, it changed how I did relationships it changed what I thought I could have in relationship. And then it changed what I wanted in relationship. And I thought I was worthy of in relationship because fear and not enoughness and lack of worth is the only reason I got into every single relationship prior. Not one of those people, the last relationship was chosen out of complete worth and clarity. But other than that, those were fear choices, fear choices of not enoughness. So get your values straight. Give it to yourself. If someone can give it to you, they can take it away. So that's never going to work. Get clear on who you are and what you want and stop accepting. It's not attracting. Stop accepting all of this crap that comes up to you out of a place of scarcity and lack. Then you won't be with these narcissists. <laughs> that's the answer. The Did y'all catch this? Like this, <laughs> this, this end of the interview alone was the most critical part. Like, don't jump in too soon. Get your values straight. Don't marry your father. Like this, 
is like this standard and these boundaries. It's like, that's the part that's becoming so clear to me is this time is for you to realign. This time is for you to realign. What do you want? What do you desire? What will you accept? What do you need? How do you need to be loved? And I just heard loud and clear from you. I'm like, as soon as I get off, I'm going to write a list of what I, because we get into these situationships and then we start to go, okay, well, so I'm starting to see some things I don't like. Is this worth the compromise? But if the list is clear up front, here's what I will compromise and here's what I will not. And I love the most amazing tool. I'll summarize it. Here's literally, I love tools. I love resources. This is actually a tool in the relationship module in my program. And it's super powerful. Here's what you do because it's exactly what you said. So powerful. Take, take your piece of paper and write down everything. So big rough draft, everything. Is he six, three? Is he five, four? I don't know. You do everything, you know, like, is he Christian? Is he a father? Where does he live? Does he travel? Does he chew gum or like whatever? Once you do that, look through there and figure out in that list, what are my non-negotiables? Like if you are not this thing, I will not date you. Right. And that's called a tier one is a tier one. It's going to be three tiers. Okay. So go with me on this journey. Here's the tool. It's a tier one. That's my gauge. So there is one word to you that will encompass many things on there. So like when I say financially stable to me, I know what that means to me. You know, there is a value that means like five or six different things to me. But if you are not that, what I envision that it's a no go. So there are six things in my tier one. If you are not these things, I will not date you. So Christian, funny, kind, financially stable, academically strong and extroverted. Mm. I know that when you are not those things, like I can't date an introvert. It doesn't work. That's two people that compromise thing. I might try and they might try. End of the day, it's a bad idea. Don't do it. I don't belong there, right? So I can look at past relationships and say like, this really worked and this really didn't work. And this really matters to me and this really doesn't. And I can say, okay, that's a tier one criteria. If you're not these things, we can go ahead and be like, oh, not doing it. Tier two is like, I really want them to have these things. Doesn't mean like, I'm not gonna, you know, date you, but it's like, I really, really want it. So for me, that would look like someone having children. Like I actually want to date someone that's kids. So, and I'm teetering on putting that in my tier one. And I'm going to tell you why this is so important to play it in tiers in a second. So like that for me, that's being very entrepreneurial, being very driven. I'm super attracted to that, being very confident, being a father. Like, I'm not going to not date you, but man, it's like, oh, that is like, yes, yes. Tier three is like all that fun stuff we love. You know, the tattoo, white shirt, like, you know, six, three, play an instrument, please sing me a song. Um, you know, like all that stuff, you know, really charismatic. It's just fun stuff. Here's what happens. Are you ready? We get all caught up in our tier three shit and we date them and they're none of our tier one. We didn't do the work. We didn't do the work to figure out what am I compatible with? I do not belong with someone who is not, their love language is not physical touch and words of affirmation, even if it's switched. I do not belong. I'm not compatible with someone that's not like that. So knowing what you need and what is compatible with you is so important because then I can quickly, if I connect with somebody and we're out and, you know, like my God, he's like, so, 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 so good. Like, it's so nice. I can immediately run through. Okay. He is like all tier three. He's got two of tier one and like two of tier two of tier two. Right. But in tier one, 
you got to be all those things. If you are not these things, I am not dating you. So it brings you to an awareness of like, how, what are you actually connecting with this person that feels so good? Like, ah, oh, this feels so good. And it's like, you live with your mom. You're so you're not financially stable. You're an atheist. Um, like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I'm like, yes, on a dance floor. Hi. Cause I'm like, that's tier three and tier two shit. I'm like, you're a father and you've got on jeans. So when you can recognize what you're being attracted to and rein yourself back in before you get into date six, and this person is nothing in your tier one and you're dating all like tier three and sprinkles of tier two and sprinkles of tier one, you can really identify like, oh, this is not sustainable. It's fun. It's good. They're nice to me. I'm attracted to them. Sure. Not sustainable. Not sustainable. It is a powerful tool. Write down everything you want. Find the words that that um, bring all of that into like, you know, one cluster of things, whatever that means to you. Put it in your tier one, your tier two, and your tier three. And be unwavering with your tier one. It's in tier one for a reason. You don't freaking belong with that person if they are not those things. So stop doing it. Tier three shit's fun. And it gonna make a relationship. That's a powerful tool. Yeah. That's a powerful tool. It's one of my favorite ones in the program. (laughs) This girl has shook us to our soul today. If at worst, we are going to acknowledge our shit and manifest the best thing that's ever happened to us and really step into our divine purpose and just significance and understanding and, and acknowledging our freaking value, which is what's so important part of this journey and becoming more present because if you can feel, if you can feel pain, you can feel immense joy. And that's what I'm learning. So Julia, I can gather at the same time. You can feel it together at the same damn time. So Julia, I cannot thank you enough for this conversation. Please tell my people where they can stalk you, where they can find out more and where they can get a laugh from some of these hilarious reels. Girls are so much fun. Um, so I am most active on Instagram. So everything is Shalia daily. If you look up Shalia daily on Instagram, Facebook.com, it's all Shalia daily. Um, but Instagram definitely is where I'm most active. That's where I do the reels. I do live trainings. I do, I'm in my stories all the time. Um, giving free content like crazy. I personally answer my DMs. So you can ask me anything on there. Um, and then with different courses and different opportunities to work with me, that is all on there as well. You can ask me and, and that will be up. But yeah, I would love to chat and answer more questions about this stuff. I obviously love it, love it, love it. This is how I teach. This is the energy that I bring. Um, this is my gift, my purpose, and my calling in life, absolutely for sure. And I love creating these practical tools, these actual tools. I hope that your audience today is like write, writing this down. I'm like, oh, that's an actual tool that changes the game. That, that tiering, the 1% shift, that'll be the game changer in your relationship. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming to the strand of face podcast. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. And I'm going to say this publicly and blink twice, but (laughs) Julia and I are in talks of maybe possibly if I can beg her, have her on (laughs) our stage for innovative income summit. So if you've not grabbed your tickets yet for our July 31st, August 1st, two-day summit. You have to be there because we will be stripping you down and building you up. And I cannot think about doing this without Shalia present. So 
hold on tight to the reins because <laughs> we might have her in person in Tampa at the end of July. So thank you so much, Shalia. So excited. So honored to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Guys, real quick. Today's episode of The Stranded is sponsored by none other than Instapodcast. If you've never heard of Instapodcast, that's my podcast management agency. And there's nothing wrong with a shameless plug, right? My podcast management agency that we started in 2019 with the intent to help business owners, entrepreneurs, and creatives just like yourself connect on one of the most popular platforms on the internet right now that allows you to have true intimacy and vulnerability with your audience. And that is podcasting, to share your story, to share your message, your experience, and your knowledge through one of the most powerful mediums. And what we did was take away the hardest, most difficult part of it. We do the tech and the production for you so that you get to focus on the two most important things, which are content and marketing so that the world can hear your message. Because I know one thing I know for certain is that you have a message that can put words to something that someone else is experiencing that they don't know how to put words to. And so it's time to put your message out there. But the problem is, is you're scared of how much work it's going to take. And Insta podcast takes away all of the work for you so that you can focus on what's most important about the podcast, which is just delivering and serving your audience. So run over to instapodcast.com right now, schedule and book your first call with one of our reps or me, and we will get you started with your popular podcast. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.